from CNU 23 in Dallas, this is the Strong Towns Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. We're still live at CNU 23, and I have sitting across the table from me now a good old friend. And by old friend, I mean a longtime friend. <laughs> uh, Jen Krause. Jen, welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, it's so great to talk to you. Coming back to CNU is uh, one of the, the delights for me is getting to see all these people that I, I only get to see sometimes now once or twice a year. So you're at the top of that list. Thanks. It's like summer camp. It is like summer camp. Yeah. Um, the last time we chatted, uh, you were uh, on the podcast. You were living in Massachusetts, engaged in a bunch of interesting things up there. And now I go back to Massachusetts. and I can't find you anywhere. <laughs> Um, what 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 has happened in your life? <laughs> well, you know, I can't get enough of places that start with M. So <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I'm now in um, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and I have a few different things I'm working on there. Also, sort of you know, following my interests, just pursuing them, taking them a little further than than I had before. Well, why, first of all, why why Memphis, Tennessee? I mean, I love Memphis, but for, I want to hear from you through your eyes. As you're surveying the country, because you went through this process where you said, I, I, I'm going to move and I'm not sure where. I've got a few places in mind. I'm going to go tour around. What, what made you settle on Memphis, Tennessee? Well, I needed a bigger arena to, okay. to play in. And I mean, I love North Adams. It's my adopted hometown. I'll always uh, have that relationship with it. But I just, you know, it's a small place with excellent quality of life, but that still leaves it a small place. And um, I had started commuting to and from New York City for a while to, to get sort of the extra stuff I needed, like uh, you know learning opportunities and networking opportunities, but that just became unsustainable. So um, I looked around. And I ultimately, I made a list of things I wanted in a place, both personally and professionally, and uh, much to many people's surprise, Memphis wound up when I cross-referenced those two lists, the personal, the professional, Memphis wound up on top. And uh, this surprises even Memphians, you know, as much as they love their city. But Memphis is a, a place where you can um, you can organize your life in such a way that you're, you're never more than 15 minutes from anything you want to do. Uh, it's really great lifestyle, good weather, nice people. There is a uh, small but growing startup scene, which was important to me professionally, and uh, some committed urbanists like Tommy Pacello, who I think you you I love Tommy. Yeah, yeah. If you, you can't, get, you can't him, get enough Tommy. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, Memphis is the kind of place where you can you can make a difference as an individual. You know, there are a lot of cities where uh, it's hard to see your own personal impact but in Memphis you can do that even though it's a city of 650,000 or 1.2 in the metro area with all the amenities that you would want from a big 
American city. It is crazy because it is a big it is a big place, yeah. and there's a lot going on, and it's a it's a fun place. Oh yeah, but it is a place. I mean, you've you've talked to the mayor. Oh yeah, actually now I work for the mayor. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean it, it, it is uh, it is one of these places where you can have if you roll up your sleeves and want to do something, you can have a big impact. Yeah, and that essentially uh, that was the the selling point that that became the tipping point for me and my decision on, on I went to scout out Memphis before I made the decision and. On my third day there, uh, Tommy arranged that uh, for me to go in his place to uh, an event that the Urban Land Institute was holding. And the mayor was introducing the speaker, and one of someone Tommy knew, one of his friends, introduced me to the mayor. And so I asked him, what would you say to someone who was thinking of moving to Memphis? And he said, well, uh, you don't have to be from Memphis to make a difference in Memphis. Awesome. And uh, I had no thought of, of ever going to work for him at that point, but you know Memphis being what it is, uh, that's ultimately what happened. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing there. You, you, your day job now is working with the city of Memphis. Yes. But you're not like uh, sitting behind a desk or uh, you know doing uh, a, a standard city government kind of job. No, no. In fact, I'm I'm involved in what you could say is a mini startup within the city. It's a new office that we're building. It's uh, the title is the Office of Performance Management, um, and you know that might tell you something. But really, the the impact that we're trying to have is to help the city become more productive, so it can accomplish more for taxpayers without raising taxes. And so the starting point for that is to. Uh, to become more transparent about the city's performance, both externally to the public, uh, so that the public can judge whether or not we're doing a good job, um, and then internally to the administration so that uh, we can track our progress and if we're not satisfied with it, do something about it. Yeah. What's the response that you're getting internally? Internally, yeah. uh, it's amazing. Actually. It is. Yeah, we... Because we it, I think the interesting thing to me about the, the bureaucracies in different cities, some of them are not just resistant to change, but like changes like Ebola, right? Mm-hmm. They freak out. Mm-hmm. But I found the people in the Memphis city government to be quite open to new ideas and quite open to change and quite open to a, a lot of things that other cities reject. I don't know if that's been your your sense of working there. Yeah, it has been and and part of that I think is that, you know, is the sort of message from the top. Um, you have to have leadership, particularly in the form of the mayor who right. who you know is behind you otherwise you can't do a project uh, that that is the scale that we're attempting. We're we're attempting nothing short of of changing the culture in city hall and that's not a, an easy task no it it, right. it it isn't or at least it wouldn't be if people weren't willing to come along for the ride so so that's part of it but also uh, you know and we expected going into it that there was going to be a lot of foot dragging um, but now that we've seen you know how things work a little bit you know more closely it's apparent that the city leadership um you know whether you're talking about the mayor or the chief administrative officer or the the division chiefs they get hammered every day right. by the public right uh, you know basically by by all stakeholder groups to do a better job and um and up till now for the most part 
the people who are dissatisfied with the government um, and the people inside of government are relying on anecdote to to make their case or to describe how the city is doing. So any discussion or debate about the state of Memphis is uh, a battle of anecdotes, and that's just not a pleasant place to be. And so, you know, here we are. We're saying, hey. Let's let's solve. Let's do what we can to solve this problem for you. you know, let us be your your sort of extra hands to uh, to develop uh, a public dashboard and an internal dashboard that will give everyone the facts that will track our progress and then enable us to judge based on the facts of right. what's happening in Memphis. And what and a radical notion! I know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we'd use data? We'd actually ask questions and find the answer instead of just yeah. shouting platitudes? Yeah, and, right. and, and I actually very deliberately use the word facts because uh, you know other, other performance management systems in other cities, um, there aren't actually that many, but those that exist, you know, they use terms like data and statistics and uh, you know, all of these other sort of MBA-type terms and there's a little bit of a baggage that comes with that because there are people who feel that that can be manipulated but if we give you the facts the facts are the facts you know um and and to to sort of really drive that home and we're giving you the good and the bad we're not holding back and we are letting you download that we will be letting you download the data once this the public dashboard goes live so even if you you know think we might be somehow presenting the data in a way that skews it, you can have at it yourself. Yeah, have at yourself and and see how we're doing. And and you'll have a mechanism for feedback to to let us know if you think we're going wrong. Memphis seems to me to be one of these cities that just... and I, I realize I, I idealize it sometimes, but the chaotic but smart approach that we talk about it embraces it more than probably any city I've ever seen. And, and a lot of that is the, the people there. Uh, there's a certain, and, and I, I, I'm going to say this in the kind, there's a certain level of desperation in places in Memphis. And that has allowed, I think, people to say, forget it. Why am I waiting for someone else to do this? I'm going to hack this myself. I'm going to go do it myself. Is that part of the spirit that kind of drew you to this place? Of course. Of yeah. course, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to go someplace that's doing fine and where that's fixed. I mean, there's nothing for me to do that. Right. Um, or a place that's in terminal decline but can't acknowledge it. Right, exactly. That's right. in denial. Memphis is definitely not in denial. That yeah. there, there's, there's that going for it. And, I mean, I wouldn't say desperation so much as sort of a sense of, uh, frustration or urgency, you know, we we want to make progress and we don't want to wait. And um, that can cut both ways. So that can be an advantage in that people um, people don't want to wait to for permission to, to, you know, get going. And so they choose to get going on something smaller that they can manage. But it also puts pressure on the sort of conventional big bet style of development too. And, and you know, we have... You've been to Bass Pro yet? I haven't yet. It, it opened on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you uh, do. I, I I do idealize Memphis, but Memphis also does orderly but dumb things at a grand scale. Still, absolutely. And I think you know, luckily for us, that's an orderly but dumb thing that is hopefully going to be. Could, 
okay in the end. Sure. You can still at this point have hope that it will turn into something positive. Right, right. (laughs) You know, most people think it will be a big regional draw, that people will come to the Bass Pro Center. And for those who don't know, this is a, so Memphis has a a pyramid. Uh, It's the sixth largest pyramid in the world. Um, And... (laughs) You make it sound like uh, it's made out of stone and like, you know, we'll be there for 3,000 years. No, it's, it's a pyramid-shaped building. Yes, it is made out of uh, steel and glass. Um, and uh, it ha- it was originally built as a uh, arena, I believe. And um, uh, ultimately, that uh, uh, the hope was that the... Uh, NBA would, uh, you know, the Grizzlies would come and play there, but it was found to be unsuitable for that purpose. And so uh, a new stadium was built, and ultimately the pyramid was uh, shuttered. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure how you do that on a pyramid, but anyway, uh, it was closed. And, uh, you just it, closed the doors. <laughs> yeah, it lay fallow for a while, and now... Um, <laughs> Now the play fallow. I love <laughs> the Bass Pro. As if it's a um, cornfield, <laughs> right? Right. Cornfield on the river. Um, the Bass Pro shop, uh, the company that that runs Bass Pro, has now turned it into uh, what promises to be more of an amusement park, even really than a than a, a store. I mean, there's a store within it, but it sounds as though uh, it's going to be a. Uh, uh, I don't know what what someone hipper than I might call a retail experience. Sure, right. So you know, bowling lanes and uh, uh, fish tanks and all yeah. kinds of cool things. Um, so I think I think it, you know it will please a lot of people and will get a lot of visitors from that. Um, but that's not the end of uh, orderly but dumb in Memphis. There's some pressure to um, to take on uh, a uh, property that's uh, in the middle of the city, a fair or former fairgrounds. Um, and turn that into one of these big bet projects. Um, and it's not going down as easily as its proponents would like. And maybe as it would have gone down 20 years ago. Right. And, and that's because? Uh, I think pe- there are people who have a very realistic uh, view of where Memphis stands in its... In its um, uh, you know, if you think of a city as an investor, and you know the city can invest its uh, capital in you know this sort of large big bet projects, or you know a bunch of smaller ones, or a combination of both. You know, our Memphis is not in a position where its its uh, risk profile can include big bets. Right. You know, if there were the chance of big failure. Exactly. We right. we just can't afford that. Uh, even if the money is coming from somewhere else um, because that's property that could otherwise be used to create value in the city and so um, uh, you know if if this big bet project were coming to to constituents with uh, a lot of uh, lease agreements you know pre-leases signed and you know sort of a guarantee that the money is going to be there then it would be a different story but uh, so far it's not so it's uh, really based on forecasts about uh, what the city is capable of and uh, achieving with this project, and people are skeptical. You are at CNU twenty three going to be part of the uh, the open source open innovation track, right. and you're presenting something that you've called a cheat sheet for an agile nation. Right. Um, talk a little bit about that. It's a. I know this is something you've been passionate about and working on for a while. Talk about what it means. 
there's actually a connection to strong towns. You talk about the orderly but dumb and chaotic but smart, and those are really two different operating systems for getting things done. Right. Um, and, uh, and so the cheat sheet for an Agile Nation is essentially the, the operating system for uh, chaotic but smart projects or situations. Awesome. Situations where there are a lot of unknowns. Um, and, and it really corresponds to sort of the difference between uh, scale-driven thinking, the stuff that we, uh, the ideas behind mass production, which we've done really well with as a society, you know, over the last couple of centuries. Um, that, that operating system is really great under circumstances, certain circumstances, but we've pushed it so far, we're achieving diseconomies of scale now. So the agile principles uh, are really the sort of counterpart to that. It's, it's the operating system for these projects where there are a lot of unknowns and, and you, have to, you have to still be able to get stuff done uh, when uh, you're under trying to do things with uh, resource constraints. Right, right. How do you how do you have a uh, uh, not uh, uh, the 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 problem with a chaotic but smart approach is that if you have all chaos you you don't accomplish anything right. <laughs> and right. so there there has to be a little the 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 greatness of the chaotic but smart is the emergent order that comes from it and it seems to me like what you're saying is here's here's kind of a a, a, a chassis in a sense for helping that order emerge is that a fair Yes, I, I would say so. It's uh, and that's essentially um, that's how agile principles developed. I, you know, these are not principles I made up. I'm actually just uh, collecting them from a combination of lean manufacturing, uh, agile software development, uh, the lean startup movement. All of these movements have arisen as a reaction to uh, sort of us going off the deep end with uh, scale-driven thinking. And so I've what I've just done is collected those principles and and synthesized them into this one cheat sheet two pages front you know one page front and back um, that uh, ultimately you can use as guiding principles for doing your your work um, or for uh, taking a look at whatever situation you're in and saying hey you know are are we approaching this in an agile way or a scale driven way and right. is that right for us are you are you going to let me share that cheat sheet? I um, will. Oh, I, awesome! <laughs> I will. I'm, so if I'm, you're listening to this, if you go to strongtowns.org and look up this podcast with Jen Krause, it will be podcast two eighteen. I'll have as a, a little attachment there the the cheat sheet you sent me, which is cool. Yes, I you know I don't want to scoop the uh, folks that are going to come to my open innovation session on Friday at oh. two, but so so I I will absolutely be happy to share it with you. <laughs> well, they're going to get the full presentation. That's right. So open. Yeah, that's right. And I, I don't know, but I think that might be recorded. So, um, but listen here first, and then you can, cool. <laughs> and you can listen to the podcast. And so, I will email you that that cheat sheet when, uh, or you're free to release it when. Thank uh, you. When that happens, T- tell me a little bit about the the startup. You, you and I have talked about this for years. Uh, your your idea um, with the, the the house plans, building plans. Talk a little bit about where you're at with that right now. Sure. So uh, for those who don't know, I am uh, in uh, what you might call the pre-commerce stage of building a startup. This is essentially a 21st century publishing house. In for, your spare time. In my spare time. Yeah, my copious spare time. Right. Um, 
uh, it's essentially a 21st century publishing house for premium quality house plans. So if you've ever looked in the in the back of a shelter magazine and and seen an advertisement you know, for a floor plan and the drawing of a house, that's essentially what we're talking about. And that it's a really old industry. It goes it goes at least as far back as the the early 20th century and. Um, uh, it's now online, but not a lot of innovation has happened since it went online. And so, my uh, my my purpose is to uh, to make it much much easier for uh, either families or home builders to find the plan that suits them and to use all of the capabilities of uh, modern day you know, computer science and the World Wide Web to do that. Where is this online right now? It will be at krause.co, K-R-O-U-S-E dot C-O. Uh, right now we have a uh, essentially, I wouldn't call it a placeholder website, but it's you know, a website that that gives you an idea of what the, our purpose is and gives you an opportunity to contact us directly. If you're looking for a plan and, and you want some help, we will give concierge service to anybody who who reaches out to us at this stage. Um, but ultimately, it will... Uh, it will be a marketplace for really, really good plants that are uh, are buildable from the builder's point of view and that make your heart beat faster if you're the one who's going to live in them. I, I'm so happy that this has gotten to this point because you, you and I have talked about this many times over the years. And, you know, you, you are one like me who has more uh, ideas than time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's hard to see some of these things come to fruition, but I'm so happy for you. Thank you. This is actually one of the beauties of Memphis. Um, it's a place where you're really only two degrees of separation from anyone. Um, and uh, life is easy enough that you actually can have some, you're not spending all your energy on your commute. You actually have some energy left over to make things happen. And so uh, since coming to Memphis, I actually uh, entered this business, the startup in Startup Weekend. We won Startup Weekend and cool. learned a ton. And now we're we're on what I would call the final stages before we get up and running. That's not to say there's not still a lot of work to do, but um, yeah. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Awesome. Well, you were one of the people I want to talk to most. And uh, I know we're going to hang out tonight, right? Yeah. Okay. Jen Kraus, thanks so much for being on the podcast and uh, have fun at CNU 23. Thank you, Chuck. You too. America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made the city? I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.